Hello, my name is Shane Snedeker, and I am here to host Hi, I'm Earth. Have we met? On this podcast, I deliver some sanity in a world that is becoming more and more insane. Do you ever feel like things you're seeing and the world you're experiencing bear no resemblance to the world you once knew? Well, you're not alone. Join me on this podcast for a dose of stabilizing common sense and rationality. I will do my best to counterbalance the craziness in our lives by analyzing social and political issues, conducting respectful and open free speech dialogues, and trying to extend some lighthearted fun your way. I hope you'll be encouraged and return for more episodes. An excerpt from the book of Matthew in the Bible. This is how the birth of Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. When her husband Joseph noticed that she had become pregnant and knew that he had never had sexual relations with her, he decided to divorce her quietly without exposing her to public disgrace. After he had decided this, he had a dream in which an angel of God appeared to him and said, Joseph, Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the baby conceived within her is a miracle from God. She will give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And this is exactly what Joseph did. Good morning on this Christmas edition of my podcast. It's an amazing story, the Christmas story. A story that atheists don't accept or believe, and one that Christians often take for granted, considering the fact that we talk about it for one or two full months every year. We have songs that sing about it. We have images of little babies in a manger. Intellectually, we grasp at a high level what we believe. But do we really think about it? Like, do we allow the reality of baby Jesus to strike our minds deeply. I know I don't. And even as I talk about it today, there's a certain level of cliche or reliance upon tradition that I speak from. But while the story inspires awe and nostalgia and wonder for Christians, and is too incredible to believe for so many others, one thing that cannot be denied is the evidence. We have historical documents that date to hundreds of years before the birth of Christ that foretell the virgin birth. From the book of Isaiah chapter 7, we have historical writings dating to at least 600 BC that say, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. In fact, there are 332 Old Testament prophecies that were recorded hundreds of years before Christ's birth that speak about his life, death, and resurrection. The texts from the gospel accounts outline a story of a life lived by a man from Nazareth, born in Bethlehem, named Jesus. These stories in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John describe a story of a life that fulfilled each and every one of those 332 prophecies that were foretold in the ancient writings. A statistician once calculated the odds of any human being, whether coincidentally or intentionally, fulfilling even eight of the 332 prophecies written hundreds of years before, to be one in 10 to the 17th power. 
It's astronomical. It's a larger number than we can fathom. It's the same odds of covering the state of Texas in sand dollars two feet high, marking one sand dollar with a red dot and blindfolding someone and telling them that they can walk as long as they want in any direction until they decide to reach down and choose one sand dollar. That person picking the one sand dollar with the red dot on the first try, that's the odds of an individual fulfilling even eight of the 332 prophecies. The odds of one person fulfilling all 332, in human terms, it's impossible. Whenever I hear someone denigrate the biblical account or disparage the life of Jesus or the stories of his life found in the Bible, I have to ask myself, have they ever actually read the Bible? As far as literature is concerned, there are no shortages of religious texts with fanciful tales. We even have other religious texts that speak of virgin births, miracles, resurrections, and those kinds of things. But if you ever take the time to actually read those texts, what you find is the curious fictional musings of someone's illusory dreams. Whereas, when you read the Bible, like actually sit down wide awake and take the time to work through the text, what you find is a religious document that reads more like a historical narrative. It's a piece of literature that reads as though it is covering events that actually happened. So much so, and so veritable, that one of the most widely and reliably referenced pieces of historical and geographical evidence that archaeologists use to guide their explorations is the Bible. And not one ancient archaeological discovery has ever contradicted the biblical account. And so when you think about the four Gospels, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, they are different in that they were written by four different men with different perspectives and approaches, but they tell the same story unwaveringly without contradiction. Matthew was a Jewish tax collector who had come to know Jesus as God. As such, his gospel is written for the Jews, hence the overt focus on relating the story to Old Testament writings, prophecies, and precise genealogies, because those things he knew were important to the Jews. The book of Mark was recorded by John Mark, who was a close helper and companion of Peter. Many believe that many of the eyewitness accounts in the book of Mark were recorded by Mark through the experience of Peter while he was imprisoned in Rome. This makes sense, and the perspective is one of reaching for the Roman Gentiles or non-Jewish Roman citizens. Mark makes the effort to explain various Jewish customs and ideas in his gospel. These explanations would be pointless to a Jewish audience and are noticeably lacking in Matthew's gospel. The gospel of John was written by the only apostle that the Bible indicates Jesus had a unique and special love for. As such, more than any other gospel, the book of John expresses the passion of Christ and distinct, distinctly emphasizes that Jesus was every ounce as much God as he was a real man, that he himself had had the joy of being able to see and hear and touch with his hands. And finally, the book of Luke was written by a doctor. The book is very reflective of a doctor's meticulous, careful touch. Luke himself states his intention upon writing the gospel. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us from those who, from the first, were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, 
so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. And then Luke proceeds to write possibly the most careful, accurate, meticulous account of the life of Christ ever recorded. Luke has been hailed as one of the greatest historians of all time due to the empirically verifiable evidence that he outlines in his gospel, as well as the other book of the Bible that he authored, Acts. Together, however, the four gospels contain intricate historical details that can be cross-referenced with the annals of history. The gospel authors cite emperor names and names of the magi who visited Jesus, and city names and details about political and socioeconomical events that we know actually happened in history. I think we all, including myself, definitely take for granted how remarkable the biblical account is, and I just want my fellow believers out there to know, be bold and proud to believe in the name of Jesus, because the evidence for the historicity of his life is overwhelming. The entire world dating system is predicated on before his birth and after his death. We literally date history based on Jesus. Isn't that incredible? An obscure Jewish carpenter from a no-name city in a country that no one really cared about, lived a relatively normal, quiet life for 30 years, and then did something so miraculous, so spiritually tumultuous, that he became the most famous human being to ever live, and the entire world still celebrates his birthday. Insane. So the virgin birth and some of the other biblical stories about Jesus are disputed by some secular non-Christian historians. However, one of the things I wanted to point out today is that there are several key historical facts about Jesus's life that are not disputed even by secular historians. The following facts are widely accepted by Christian and non-Christian historians. Number one, that there was a man named Jesus born in Nazareth. Number two, that the man named Jesus was rumored to have done many amazing things like miracles. Number three, that he was crucified Number four, that his tomb was empty and his body was never found. Number five, that there were many reports of people claiming to have seen him resurrected and alive. Number six, that his followers who had seen him after his resurrection believed this so strongly for the rest of their lives on earth that they were willing to die for their faith and did die gruesome deaths for their faith. These facts are not disputed. These things happened. Bigger than the amazing facts and intellectual apologetics that we can be proud of and stand behind is the personal impact that Christ makes on all who turn to him. I've seen Jesus turn lives around. I've seen him do miracles. I've experienced his love over my life and continue to experience it every day. I want to encourage those of you who know Jesus to dig deeper in your faith and prayer life in the upcoming year. And to those who don't know Christ, stop running from him. Stop denying and running from the only thing that can make your existence on this little speck of the universe make sense. There is no explanation for your life outside of Jesus. He knew you before you were born, and he literally knit you together in your mother's womb. Seek him, and he will be found by you, and he will make all the difference in the world. He already has for me. Let him change your life too. I leave you on this Christmas week with a wonderful poem I found that is attributed to a man named James Allen Francis. It's called One Solitary Life. Here is a man who was born in an obscure village as a child of a peasant woman. 
He grew up in another obscure village. He worked in a carpenter's shop until he was 30, and then for three years was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held office. He never owned a home. He never married. He never went to college. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He never did one of the things that usually accompany greatness, not one. He had no credentials but himself. He had nothing to do with this world except the naked power of his divine manhood. While still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends ran away, and one of them denied him, and another betrayed him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed upon a cross between two criminals. His executioners gambled for the only piece of property he had on earth while he was dying. When he was dead, he was taken down and laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and he should have long ago been forgotten. Yet today, he is the center of the human race and the leader of the column of progress. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that were ever built, all the parliaments that have ever sat, and all the kings that have ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man on earth as powerfully as this one solitary life. Merry Christmas, you guys. I love you.